Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am joined by the most amazing Peter Dunn, the, the scout meister himself, the, the finder of talents. I remember my first conversation with Peter Dunn was uh, at a, uh, I believe, Euphoria episode. And he was telling me yeah. about how how you found uh, this this player who was playing vain and he was not of age yet to play. And it turned out that this player happened to be Karzi. Do I remember that yeah. correctly, Peter? Yeah, it was something like that. I, I can't remember exactly what champion it was, but yeah, it was it was a long time ago. Yeah, but it was definitely Karzi. Uh, yeah, it reminds me a lot of, of things back in the old days. But no, uh, thank you very much for having me and really looking forward to, to seeing what, we, what we're going to be talking about today. All uh, right. Lots of interesting things this offseason. So, so usually on, on my end, right, it's like I go into these uh, these conversations rather raw. It's like I know about you. I, I, I know, uh, of course, uh, of um, the details that are shared in public and we just see where the conversation goes and uh, hopefully it goes in a direction which is interesting for the both of us. On, on my end... It's when I think back to to what I know about you. I know that you're very interested in in, in football and sports, and this is where initially, uh, if I understand correctly, that your idea of coaching came from. How did it transfer to 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 League of Legends? How did you start in INTZ in in Brazil? So actually, uh, League, oh, League is basically uh, the only. Sorry, football is literally the only reason I was in League. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll be honest, I'm not really much of a gamer. I mean, the only games that I've really played, like at a high level, I guess, are like football manager variations, you know, okay, and okay. I'm a big fan of the Sin City kind of stuff, you know, that mm. kind of thing. Uh, and basically, um, I never really, um, because I, because of my sports coaching, um, that's how I got involved in esports sports in the mm-hmm. first place. Um, so... Uh, you know, I, I played I played over the top tabletop games. You know, things like Magic: The Gathering and things like that's a lot when I was younger. Yes, um, but, um, but yeah, uh, you know, sports coaching uh, is what got me what got me links to people that were working in esports in China. It's what helped me to understand this is a thing. Uh, and then obviously, like when I left when I left China, it was what kept me, you know, vaguely interested, you know, because uh, League of Legends was something that I'd followed, you know, I didn't realize we would have esports as a thing in, like we have it now, you know, you, you were back there in season one, season two, you know, it was, yes, yes. <laughs> it was five people in an apartment, you know, on, on, you know, going to lands on the weekend after, after school and things like this. So it's really, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a long time since then. Um, but I mean, in terms of, uh, in, in terms of how it's informed my coaching, um, I would say that, uh, you know, a lot of my ideas for what coaching is and what coaching should be defined as come from traditional sports. Mm. Uh, so you have, uh, you know, when I was younger, I used to study a lot of football coaching. You know, I did uh, some of my badges, not all of them. You know, I, I couldn't turn around and coach, you know, Manchester United by now. I don't have the qualifications. Um, but I started <laughs> I started on that path be an assistant coach. Uh, I, I'd have to check exactly what the what a, what an FA uh, certification level two means. Uh, but like the um, but but you know it was just something that was that I just found interesting and it's something that I studied. You know, and when I was studying uh, inspirations for sports coaching, you know, I look at people like Renus Mikel. I look at people like uh, Marcelo Bielsa. You know, these are these these guys uh, inform a lot of of how I kind of approach coaching in just in general. So, so I say, I say that was the link. Um, okay, okay, yeah, yeah that, that that makes a lot of sense. I remember when I like the first time I got the coaching gig, like then back in season five, I still wanted to be a player, and and my approach was, it's like if I'm going to do this coaching thing, I need to take inspiration from somewhere. So I just did as much reading as possible, and I made it into kind of my own stool. I was reading about Sir Alex Ferguson, the big names, uh, the the names of Phil Jackson from from all the sports areas. I was just thinking there has to be crossover because in the end we we are managing uh, managing people, and uh, when you're managing people, uh, the the same uh, kind of tales uh, tell themselves, and you can prepare yourself as as as, as much as possible. I'm I'm I'm, I'm curious. Uh, so, so I didn't realize you you were that OG that you started already back in season one and two. Uh, how was it like back then? Uh, you mentioned that you worked in, in, in China. How, how did that go about? Could you tell me more? Because your Leaguepedia page doesn't go that far. I know that we've had some <laughs> conversations, but they were on the side. So I didn't know if I could bring it up or not, you know, in terms of, uh, of this history. But what can you share more about your time in, in, in China? 
I mean, I don't, I don't push it too much, but basically, um, I, was I was studying, you know, to go along the diplomatic uh, career trajectory. You know, I did my undergraduate in the UK in history, mm-hmm. um, and I decided that my specialization was going to be in Sino-EU um, relations. You know, you're going to see if you're going to work with people um, from a different background, you want to see the the educational background that they have, you know, in this area and how things are taught. And that's kind of why I was in China. Okay. Um, what was I doing in China? Um, I mean, honestly, living there, <laughs> studying there, working there, um, and esports was just something, you know, I just did in my spare time. Uh, it was basically, I think we call it a little bit, <laughs> I hesitate to even say performance coaching because I'm not a qualified performance coach, but it was kind of like team owner coming and saying, you know, have a talk with my players because, you know, you have some background in uh, conventional sports. Maybe you want to have a talk, uh, a talk. And then it was, you know, doing scouting for international competition. You know, that's okay. how I kind of learned League of Legends. It was writing scouting reports, you know. Uh, mm. uh, and this was, you know, back then you didn't get paid. You got like your taxi fee and your your your, your meal paid for you. You know, so I, I hesitate to call it a profession. <laughs> um, but it was very interesting, you know. Back in those days, obviously, League was still growing. And, you know, you have people who are, how should I say this? Like... There, there was a. It's hard for people to imagine the kind of backlash that people back in those days, especially. Uh, I don't want to make cultural, um, cultural like uh, assume everything about a country, but there are definitely some. How should I say? Some parents of some Chinese people who very, very, very much did not want them to go into esports to the point where maybe you know. Uh, people became estranged, you know, for, mm-hmm. from their families for wanting to do the things that you know, we consider a standard today. Uh, and I think, I think that back in those days, you know, it was, it was very, very, very amateur. It was like online tournaments. It was, you know, <laughs> the, the tournament finals are in a shopping mall, you know, like they, they, you would be literally in the middle of a shopping mall. They put the curtains yeah, like in the center square, they put the curtains to block out the light, and then you'd have like fifty chairs or something. You know, it's a, not even a major shopping mall, like a shopping mall somewhere in the suburb somewhere. Uh, and this is what you know people did back in the day. It was it was, yeah. it was awesome. Nice. Um, the, the very amateur, nothing like the, nothing like the stadiums we have today. You know, yeah, for sure. I call them two thousand seater stadiums in China. Did nothing like that. I remember, like even even uh, some of the tournaments over here were were completely mental. I, I remember there was one uh, called the Berlin Campus Party, and at first, at first I was like, "Wow, this is this is a nice venue." But then I realized that we are just a corner in in nothingness, and apparently it's just like this place that was rented out for the creator of the internet to come to speak, and they just put uh, our tournament in the corner of that venue. There was no seats, there was no crowd, there was no nothing, but we were just in that corner playing our tournament and uh, having the time of our life. And this was back when I, this was season two, I was like 16, and this was one of the first few times where I traveled abroad, and I, I was under the assumption that I, I thought basically I needed to buy food, and to buying food for me was, was, was a new thing, so I just pretty much just bought cookies, and then my idea was that I'm going to maintain a sugar rush for the whole tournament. And that was a terrible idea. Terrible idea. <laughs> so my diet was just as good as, as the venue. It was a perfect combination. <laughs> you have fold out chairs as well, right? They get really uncomfortable after 30 of minutes. Of course, of course. <laughs> so sometimes we had to, like to keep a chair, we would pick it up and just walk around with it, you know, just so we wouldn't lose a chair. Because sometimes I would come back to my PC and it would just be gone. <laughs> And that was that was just uh, not a thing. <laughs> and how much did you guys travel between these tournaments? Was there one in like Paris and one in? But it's really hard for me to understand because for esports in Europe, mm-hmm. I only came in season six. You know, I was in China mm-hmm. and then I was in Brazil, so I've really got no idea what it was like in the early days, other than speaking to European people in international tournaments. So, so what were these tournaments like? Were they always in Berlin? Were they always in Paris? Uh, it, it was it was a little bit all over the place. Like at the time. The, the main thing you'd hope was that the organizations would pay for the tickets, uh, like your flights and so forth. Like that was usually like the contract you negotiated. You would have paid travel. And I was like, yes, this is the contract I want. 
take my rights away <laughs> for, for this. And then it would just be, it's a qualifications online or invitations. Like if you're, we would, you, if you're a part of like the big teams, Fnatic, whatever, uh, then you would just be invited to the tournaments. And then it would just be like all over the place. It would Sometimes it wouldn't be only in Europe. It would be in North America. It would be in in Brazil, all the IEMs and, and, and those circuits, it would just be uh, all over the place. And usually, like, if you travel to a country, it would be not very rarely in the big cities. It would be you would arrive in the big city and then you take a bus for eight hours. <laughs> like there was this event that did in in, uh, in in the UK. We I, I arrived in London and then uh, bus six hours to a place called Telford in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and... Uh, and I was lucky on the bus that I didn't get stabbed because there was this man who was staring at me the entire bus ride, six hours. I, he barely blinked. I was surprised. Like the man was probably like putting eye drops into his eyes <laughs> while I was not looking or something. It was uh, it was a good experience. <laughs> and and was it in like a gymnasium? Like what, what, I mean, what kind of like did you go to school or something? Because like it, it was always in shopping centers for us. But I, I was just wondering what it was like. For, for you guys, was it in a was I, it in a gym? Or so, so this one in particular was in a, I believe, storage facility. Oh, <laughs> I think, wow! I think, <laughs> I think it was just a massive building that used to be a storage facility, but it was kind of, kind of a venue. I would say it wasn't too bad. It was there was okay. just I think they made a lot of their money through alcohol. Like there, there was a lot of. <laughs> A lot of things were always going on at these events. Usually esports was like a third thought that just came last. And then there was like bingo and drinking and all that jazz and, and, and concerts at the same time. And then all of a sudden the announcer says, and now for the final of blah, blah, blah tournament sponsored by this shitty brand of uh, keyboards. <laughs> I mean, you know, like it's just... It's it's absolutely crazy when you go and look at things like the World Championships these days. Like that's only we only talked about things ten years ago, no? Eleven years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely nuts. It's like even when we when we boot camped in, in, in China, it felt like I went five years into the future. Because we got to see like the RNG yeah. arena. And now I don't know what's going on with RNG. I don't wanna <laughs> have that conversation. But <laughs> we were at the RNG arena and I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is is this the future? I don't know if it's financially responsible, but this is crazy what is going on over here and the press conferences that we had and just the facility that they had in, in, in Shanghai too was was absolutely nuts. Like, uh, And this was back in, when was it, 2018? And that was already like, I was in shock. I'm in shock every day, I'm, go I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I, I am surprised that just as you mentioned, in, in the span of 11 years, things have so rapidly gotten into something that is more uh, real uh, yeah because yeah. back in season I mean, one and two it was just a pipe dream like i was i was lucky that back in season two i got the rumor we're gonna we're gonna create a league here in europe and everyone's gonna have a paid salary and i was like wow money yes. <laughs> oh man yeah. I, it's 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 fascinating because back in the day when you were looking to like 17 18 year old kids you know you're talking to their parents back in season you know when i was in brazil so season six and even back in those days it was really really hard to explain that this wasn't a scam whereas now you know this you is. talk to you talk to 17 year old kid like when i talked to JoJo's parents, i didn't even need to explain what esports was to jojo's parents so he was like oh it's faker right like because he has this What's it? He has an ice cream brand, you know, and things like this. Because his parents were Korean, right? So they knew all. I didn't even have to pitch it, you know. It was just like, you know, we. It was this is what makes us different from another team, but it wasn't. This isn't a scam, right? And always the conversations I remember until really recently. We're like, this is not a scam. Just trust us. This is not billion money doing this, you know. Um, so yeah. Well, that's amazing. That's actually amazing. Yes, it's it's, it's funny that like. The, the way I tied it into what you mentioned earlier, that it's like it, it went to that line of of some players being estranged from their parents and having to like fight through that in order to become a pro player, create some kind of character. But now there's like an honest path to to how to 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 do uh, and become something. Because because I worked with so many players that 
I had to run away from home to play in this team for no money, and then I climbed through the ranks, and now I'm at the LEC somehow. Like that's a story. But now the the story has changed in a way where there is a path to becoming a pro, uh, which is uh, a very stark contrast. <laughs> yeah, for for sure. And you know, it's back in those days. You know, you had to sacrifice something. Like pe- people don't realize maybe so much. You know, they they think he's. Uh, People come in, esports stars have easy and things like this, but no, no, back back in season one, season two, you were literally like it, it was succeed or you know, die. You know, I don't want to be over dramatic, you know, but succeed or like give up everything, right? Like people mm-hmm. people, you know, you sacrifice your personal relationships, you sacrifice your financial opportunities, you know, for what? You know, for, for a chance to play in some tournament where, you know, you get some food and maybe a little bit of money if you win. But it was like it, it, it was really, really, really different back back then. And, you know, you can always see when you talk to people who were there in the original days, you can see the difference, right? Like, they, the story that you hear from people back in playing in season one, season two, you know, Aaron A, who's my GM, has, has a lot of very, very fun stories, which I'm not going to repeat on this show. <laughs> uh, but, but it's, you hear all kinds of, you hear all kinds of things. You know, everyone has their own path. And I mean, you could immediately identify with somebody. It doesn't matter whether you know that path was in Brazil, whether that path was in China, whether that path was in Europe, we've all been through the same things, right? We've all mm-hmm. seen the same, the, the the same the same stuff. You know, maybe it's in a slightly different venue or with slightly different circumstances, but nobody did it back in the day to to be famous and wealthy. It was literally just the best at computer gaming <laughs> and or, or whatever game you played. You know you. Um, no, for sure. It was very, very rock and roll. <laughs> many, many, many crazy stories that, that as you mentioned, should, cannot be said publicly, maybe in a couple of years, maybe in a couple of, maybe a decade or two or something. <laughs> I've actually got one final question for you, though, mm. which is, was was looked down on compared to things like Dota and CS back in season one, season two? Hmm. I'm not. It's it's hard for me to to say because I'm I'm trying to think back of of what information that I was digesting and it was like I was mostly in League of Legends and it wasn't it wasn't so common for me to go on Reddit or something like this to to kind of inc- like to to go on Twitter either. It was just League of Legends forums and then maybe the CLG forums and. More often than not, you would just be tied to whatever area that uh, you were in, at least in, in my case. So whatever StarCraft or, or Dota people were saying yeah. about League of Legends, I would never hear it because I wasn't really like a part of, of, of social media too much. It wasn't that big of a deal. Like Twitter accounts started popping up for everybody back in like season three because like sponsors were like, yeah, we need to make a Twitter. And I'm like, what the fuck is this egg? profile picture that I have I'm just gonna leave it as, as is and 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 move on like everyone was using Facebook everyone was using uh the the CLG forums and 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 the league forums and that's kind of like an echo chamber of, of everyone just uh, enjoying the game well not enjoying people were complaining just as much back then about things being broken but you know uh, complaining together is uh is, is a pastime activity that everyone does within any uh a game I guess so I don't, I don't, I didn't necessarily notice. Like the big thing was always, oh, the international, look at that prize pool. Where's yeah, the yeah. League of Legends prize pool? And that was the, the, the main thing that you would hear. And I look, like if I talked to friends, it's like, yeah, I'm competing at this IEM. It's like, yeah, but have you seen this Dota tournament with $1 million? Don't you want to win $1 million? I was like, yeah, that's how it works. I go there and then I pocket $1 million. That's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's just that easy, you know. Um, yeah, but I, I definitely think that uh, definitely in the early days in China, like yeah, it was StarCraft, it was Dota, and League. It's really hard for me to track when League started becoming really, really serious. I mean, it was definitely there by season two, season two worlds, mm-hmm. but it was somewhere there. There was some transition somewhere between season one and season two where people were like, yeah, this is something. This is something that we should really, really pay attention to. And obviously, there were star, you know, stars within the community. But it was when did it start becoming much? Okay, but 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 that's 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 interesting. Uh, what you mentioned about the West, because yeah, but, yeah. you know, it, it, StarCraft obviously is was was first, and then everything kind of spread from there. So. 
I feel like the league was very lucky with with at least in the West. I'm not sure what, what, what happened in, in in China and Korea for it to 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 blow up as as it did. But in the West, I feel like the 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 creation of of the direction that Justin TV went uh, towards with uh, their gaming section becoming so large and them opening up Twitch.tv, Own.tv, and having those strong personalities in in COG and TSM and trying to capture that essence of streaming at the same time as as the game was beginning to reach uh, this uh, this this apex in terms of the tournaments that were being created around it and the hype uh, kind of uh, being a catalyst for uh, for for streaming at the same time and i think it was just a perfect storm for for league to become uh, as big as it did because the, the the right personalities were playing the game and they were streaming the game and then uh, this was kind of the dream for everybody every player that was playing league was watching uh, Dyrus or maybe Reginald or the odd one and uh, uh, or the Rain Man you could mention or the Hotcho GG so many cool names like all of these uh, these these OGs uh, that had like a very uh, clear personality that was was good for the game with the Bay Life Gaming House and so forth it was just uh, good good content uh, revolving around the game and I think this was really really big for the for the West because it kind of created the dream in everyone's mind of, oh, I could make this into a career path. And then you have uh, everyone wanting to become that streamer uh, that, that, that they looked up to. And also, I think the trash talk from, from back in those days, yes, the trash yes. talk was much less, uh, how should we say this, much less politically correct, I would say. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I still have a print screen folder <laughs> that I'm not going to deploy it's for my own amusement. But uh, <laughs> I, I, every name that everyone knows out there, there's a lot of ammunition, even ammunition of what I've said. So I, I, I am not... Uh, Fault free on this, <laughs> for sure. Completely, completely different world, yeah. But I, I think that that is that's one of the things. So, so you know, league, league, uh, you know, is going through a little bit of a slump in North America. Right, just come back from North America, mm -hmm. and I think that 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 I think this is a bit what they lost, you know, because back in the day, you would watch you would watch your favorite streamers. And they were like, say, vicious. I'm just trying to think of some other people that you didn't mention as well. I remember say, vicious was like he was a big trash. He was a big trash talker. Uh, people like. Uh, Ah, obviously all the old, old TM, uh, TSM guys, Hotshot, um, Double Lift, obviously, you know, all, all of those guys, they, they would, you'd see them on their streams trash talking each other in solo queue, mm. and then they would, then they come and make it real in their in their tournament and things like this, and then some of those guys went went in and started owning teams and things like this, and then you you watched the the team of the of the person that you you like to go and stream, and you see this sometimes in Europe, you know, like why Solari so popular, why. Uh, uh, K Corp so popular, right? Like it's it's, sure. it's that kind of thing, right? Uh, and I, you know, I I, I sometimes miss an, a little bit. Obviously, the financial security is better, and things like this is obviously there's a lot of other things which are better, but you lost a little bit of like the raw passion that you got kind of in those early days. Now it's it's all you know. You have to go through <laughs> layers of committees. You know, is this is this thing okay? You know. Hello, Mr. Marketing Firm employee. You know, is this? Are we allowed to present ourselves with this? This is this is off-brand. It's just it's all. Oh, it's it's very very different. Is all I would say. Uh, no, for sure. <laughs> no, I, th I think I think you're right on the point that uh, I think that the idea of like legacy, like I think a lot of esports organizations try to try to uh, kind of po portray themselves as that legacy uh, sports team. Uh, and I think that uh, the majority of that fan base that is tied to like this idea of just being uh, a fan of a team, I think that's usually like uh, those fans are uh, aligned with Fnatic and maybe G2, but then most of it, uh, the, the, the current storm of it is just uh, the, the content creators that are not uh, necessarily tied uh, to a specific game because the content creators they, they have so much power i think this is this is the only point where i've felt the the word influencer is is like a correct term because they actually have a lot of influence uh, rather than you know that um, instagram person or whatever that calls themselves uh, an an influencer but i think definitely we've gotten to that point where uh, the, the content creators carry a lot of weight and and, and power uh, I wanted to ask you, since you mentioned the DLCS, the, the usual uh, question, right? If, if the DLCS, the, the, there is the, the obvious uh, 
issues that everyone has mentioned, uh, declining player base and uh, the, the, the culture. Is there something that you feel has been unsaid about what's going on in LCS? And maybe is there something that should make people in North America hopeful? <laughs> I was going to say going to weekdays, but then they decided that they were going to start, they were going to compete with the eat. Oh, man. Okay, so so there's a lot that's been said about it. Um, one thing which, so, you know, the teams were told a long time ago about this. Uh, you know, one thing that was very impressive about Jackie is basically Jackie came to every single team, Jackie Felling, who's the commissioner, and basically answered all the concerns of all the staff and the players in person, making herself accountable. Uh, and I'll be honest, you know, sometimes when you work with players, they, they say things like, oh, you know, I don't want to come and meet this commissioner. But no, it was compulsory for all the teams. Mm. And I think at least four, maybe five out of our five players came out of that meeting thinking, OK, right. You know, there's some things to be hopeful here. I understand why these decisions are being made. And, you know, I've never seen a commissioner come and do what she did. Mm. And then so so we knew that the move to weekdays was coming for for months now. But then when the announcement is made, it's on the day before everyone goes on holiday. So there's no, there's no response to anyone from Riot. Uh, it's, it's made in like a small announcement and the start times are 12 o'clock. And, you know, the only reason you would start at 12 p.m. PST is to compete with, for European fans. Like there's yes, literally yes. zero reason why you would do that. And they put it on the same day as the Spanish and French League, right? Like there's, there's literally no way that this is going to work. Um, so I was hopeful a bit because I because I went to Korea um, this this year and I saw the weekday participation from from Korean fans. You know, like you want to go and watch a team on week, week all, all the tickets. They have two games. I can't remember exactly when they are, but I think it's like five to seven, eight to ten. Uh, or oh, no, I, I've forgotten the exact times. It was a long time. It was uh, quite a few months ago. But but basically, those games all fill out. The arena is completely full out. Um, you know, you have to buy buy your tickets in advance and why are they sold out it's because on weekday evenings people you know you, you maybe don't want to spend five hours going and watching uh, uh on your saturday or your sunday but if you if it's the evening you know i, I watch champions league football on on a wednesday evening on a tuesday evening you know there, there, there's no reason you want to uh that you can't do that and for me that was a reason to be optimistic it was a reason to be optimistic okay they're changing the schedule this week the audience you know the league the league fan base is getting older you know, this is a way that parents can watch with their kids. It's maybe, you know, when I finish school uh, or when I finish university, I'll come back, you know, and this was a new way to gain audience. And then the only time slot that this is available for is is for for, for Europeans. And the um, it's not even that the, because they've released the schedule, it's not even that the weaker teams are playing first to warm up, right? It's the top, the teams that they think are the best teams are going to be playing on the first first game, right? Mm. Which means if you want to watch first game in North America, it's 3 p.m. on the East Coast, 12, 12, 12 o'clock on the West Coast. You know? So I, I, I have very, very little optimism. I, I feel really sad, but, you know, for all the reasons, uh, you know, I thought maybe this was a, a new opportunity. I'm sure that they have the data and this is what they've decided to do, but it just makes me a little bit, a little bit sad, you know? But mm. um, other than that, I've... You know, there's there's reason to be optimistic. You know how they run their Champions Q, uh, although Champions Q has issues. You know, uh, um, uh, the new Challenger circuit, right? But it's not. These are not without the viewer base and without the fan base to back it up. It's going to be pretty hard. Um, so, so that that's all I would say from that. I don't want to be too negative about North America, but it's. I've I've had tens of people reach out to me saying that you. Know, I used to be a fan of this, you know, tell me, tell me something about European teams. You know, maybe I'm going to watch more LEC. Maybe I'm going to watch more ERLs, you know, who should I cheer for in Spain? Obviously, heretics in Spain. The answer is always heretics. Um, but who should I cheer for in France? Who should I cheer for? You know, uh, is, is the Italian league worth watching? Is the Polish league worth watching? And these are fans who used to watch the LCS back in the day, you know, uh, and now they can't anymore. So they're interested in what their other options are. And oh. that kind of thing makes me sad, right? And that's all I have to say about that. No, that that, that does make sense. Yeah, it, it it is. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. O on my end, when I saw the 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 roster announcements for the North American teams, I I have, I have a lot of interest in 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 watching the teams. Of course, on mm -hmm. on my end, the the scheduling is it's better for me personally that the days are separated. So like I'm. I'm blessed, you know, like if, if there's esports going on, league going on all the time, I'm very happy. 
uh, rock and roll, you know, on my end, uh, that's not an issue. But uh, in terms of the rosters that have been created, the return of WF and Bjergsen together, the FlyQuest roster, the TL roster, mm-hmm. I think the, like, even the, the Dignitas roster, maybe I'm, I'm forgetting one, the C9 roster too. Like there's a lot of genuinely uh, exciting rosters for me uh, to watch. And I feel like that's often what it comes down to as, as a viewer. I'm not sure how the metrics are impacted by uh, vote, vote viewers or uh, the timing of it. I, I can imagine that after watching a full day of LEC that a lot of people are fatigued to watch another full day of LCS and watching 10 hours of League of Legends is not really um, something that makes sense. So I understand that separation of trying to make the whole product more digestible for uh, the, the viewer that isn't necessarily tied to a league rather that viewer that wants to watch uh, esports. So I'm not sure if their metrics are going to be pumped up just because they have more interesting teams coming into this year and they're going to pat themselves on the back. Wow, the weekdays are so great. <laughs> but I'm not yeah. sure how, how they kind of manage with... Um, how do they manage their analytics with such a short uh, time frame of, of testing? It's like There are so many yeah. variables at play, so... Feel like it should be hard to to have any major takeaways uh, uh, within the span of a split. Yeah, I agree. I, I think they may also be gambling a little bit in that you know North American fans don't have that many other options mm-hmm. because if you want to watch LPL or LCK live, you're you're staying up at two o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning. You know, LPL finishes sometimes five a.m. in the morning because you know I used to watch those games mm-hmm. and the the you know maybe you just don't have another choice maybe it's this is nothing you watch the vods afterwards or you know may, may, maybe they're anticipating maybe they're going to do something with vods you know may make them more maybe they have highlight shows of that. I, I i don't know exactly what, what what they have planned nobody's told me that um but but yeah uh the rosters are definitely very very interesting this year and it's a year where apparently lcs cut budget a bit this year which is interesting <laughs> so so they managed to build like they managed to build rosters they managed to bring in what what was it the uh the the mvp of the world's final although let's be no no kingdom was the kingdom was the was the mvp no no but, but they managed to bring in a world championship jungler they've they brought in like rookie of the year they brought in prince was Prince, you know, they brought Prince Vickler, like really so many nice. of these, yeah, fan- fantastic players. It'd be really, really interesting to watch. Um, also, a lot of European players coming back, right? Um, so, Bwipo could have come back, if rumours are to be believed. Um, uh, Hans Hammer's back in Europe. Uh, and, you know, m- maybe maybe this is this is a good thing as well. Well, we'll, we'll have to see. Um, but definitely, you know, I'm interested to see how, because obviously Jojo is somebody who I... Who I like a lot, but obviously I'm interested to see how Jojo will match up against Vickler. Like that's that's a thing, or against Diplex, or against Eminez. You know, like the, the those things are very very interesting to me. So, so you know, it's great for me. I'm a European. You know, <laughs> they change the time slot for my for my benefit. I'm I'm not complaining. You know, I'm gonna have LVP up on one screen, and I'm gonna have uh, LCS up on the other screen, and it's great. Um, living best life here. Um, but uh, but you know, uh, who knows what it will mean for the do- domestic viewer base? But, yeah. Uh, should promises to be a bit uh, very interesting. Who, who do you who do you have as the strongest team coming out for LCS next year? Like on on my end, I think naturally I'm just going towards uh, FlyQuest. Mm-hmm. Who do they have? They did so they have um, they have Impact. I think that's already amazing. <laughs> I think that's fantastic <laughs> having Impact, yeah. Vikla, and then they have uh, Prince. Prince. Their support player is 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 who? Uh, let me just think. Oh man, it's gonna come to me. Uh, it used to be Alpha Movement, and they replaced it. Oh, it's Ayla. Okay, I just I just checked in the. Oh, I knew yeah. I knew speaker was wrong, but it was Ayla. Interesting. Okay, that that's interesting. Uh, Ayla was pretty good in Academy last year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, that, so my information is so limited when it comes to North America. I just remember Ayla when he subbed in for uh, for uh, Mister. I didn't have my visa finished yet. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so, and I th- I thought he was he was completely you know fine. Like North America, mm-hmm. it's like if I choose how to distribute my time, my priorities always go like LPL, LCK, like the big games, the big teams, Europe, and then it's like sometimes I even prioritize the ERLs before I go to North America before the big games. 
I don't, I don't I don't understand how you do it how you distribute your time like how does how does a day in the life of Peter Dunn look like in terms of time distribution <laughs> my days last year were very very unhealthy that's all I would say for that um normally I had to sack one of the major leagues um so so you know when you have staff I think it's valuable if you have different members of staff who are assigned to different leagues and mm. you can get specialist knowledge of that league and I'll be honest like LCK I'm pretty poor on LCK Uh, I mean, I watch a bit prepping for, for Worlds and Playoffs this year, but like normally it's another member of staff who is following all the LCK. I'm actually watching Vietnam. I watch Vietnam. I watch okay. LPR. Um, and then obviously NA and EU. But basically my days were kind of, you know, go home, go home at uh, 12, get two hours sleep, wake up, uh, go and watch LPR, go to sleep, uh, wake up again. It was very, very unhealthy, uh, I think, what I was doing. I think uh a couple of my players told me that maybe i was pushing myself a bit too hard at times mm. over the course of last year and that maybe you know if i was a bit more awake because i was watching a bit fewer games uh, maybe things maybe it would be more helpful uh, <laughs> uh but uh but maybe uh but i think that you know it's so i want to watch the reason why I, i tend to watch leagues that people value a little bit lower is i want to see things that are that can surprise me You know, yeah, I, I want, want to see the see... outliers. Exactly, right? Like, I want to see, uh, you know, I, I want to see a Zerath mid-game. I want to see, like, the, the, it was really funny because the meta game in, in, in I remember the spring meta game uh, in, in the, in, um, in the UK ERL was decided because Zerath was picked, I think, into Ziggs. I remember, was that, I think it was either in spring or summer last year, a lot of these things obviously he's together um but, but like, the meta was ziggs was for some reason really really important in that series and then zerath the the team that won had zerath into ziggs and the other team didn't have an answer to it um and and you know it's things like this which get you which get you thinking and that's kind of what that, that that's kind of what i like to see now obviously you know you, you see this a little bit well now you know with We saw Heimerdinger being a major, major pick for, mm -hmm. for Barrow at Worlds, and there's all kinds of things which, which are apparently counts into Heimerdinger, like Jin support, you know, scrim start tomorrow. I'm really looking forward to seeing how many people are going to pull out Jin support. But, you know, it's, it's always, this is, I think, one of the reasons, like for me, one of the reasons that I kind of find, found historically, it, although, you know, things have changed over the last year, maybe, year and a half, uh, I found... I have an idea of what the correct way to play League of Legends is. And I don't need to see another game of historic SKT, you know, just ticking all the boxes and playing perfect macro League of Legends. Every single game, perfect vision control, perfect vision denial, you know, good setups. You know, I, I can watch it five times, ten times, and that's that's useful for me. But there's no point watching it a hundred times, right? So I, I, I like the more chaotic games. And that's why I've gravitated more towards the leagues that play a little bit more, a little bit more chaotic. Uh, and... Uh, that having that interest, you know, that I'm going to tune in and I'm going to watch a clown fiesta and I'm going to try to reverse engineer if I was coaching one of these teams, how I would go about handling uh, our team review or, or a breakdown of how this game went um, is that's the thing that, that interests me. Right. So that that's that's what keeps me watching all of these games. It's not it's not to establish perfection. It's to see teams do weird stuff and try to work out how I would respond to that. I think, I, I, I think that makes sense, yeah. I, I think in, in, in general, I, I think what's lost upon a lot of people is that they lose kind of their, their beginner's mind. It's like in, in, in essence, when you are... Uh, we, we, we establish biases uh, very easily depending on what we watch and what we play and getting stuck in our ways can be very dangerous because uh, exactly as you mentioned like when the Heimerdinger support comes out it's like it's something that has been staring us in the face for a long time there's a lot of those guys in solo queue that just play Heimerdinger support and I know my players and they say this guy is trolling me he's playing Heimerdinger support it's so useless and then the right person needs to play it and then all of a sudden it's wow it's so OP and I think exposing yourself to, to, to different ideas is so so important to challenge your own as also to To explore new ideas so i i definitely can can relate to to, to your process there for sure i'm on the same page for this but also it's about you know 
people playing champions in new ways. Uh, and I think that one example of this is, you know, Impact obviously was a really good Shen player. Um, but one thing, uh, it wasn't that big in Europe, but in North America, there was a time where everyone was playing Flash, Smite, Top, uh, like Janna and things like this. Mm. <laughs> and I remember Impact comes to he's like, oh, they're playing Flash, Smite, Top. Why, why can't we just do this with Shen? And I'm going to like sit on Berserker's Tower. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for two minutes because we were screaming C9 that day and yeah. I mean, we're literally going to do that we're going to just dive bot lane three times and you know <laughs> uh, to paraphrase you know screw playing all of this like smite top uh, you know, I'm going to play Shen and I'm going to play Poppy and we're just going to dive bot and uh, this is how this is how we're going to play smite top we're going to make the enemy AD carry really 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 dislike it uh, his, his time and yeah, and uh, it uh, that was kind of our answer because obviously this was C9 back in the LS time, so they were they were doing all kinds of weird enchanter stuff all over the map. Yeah, yeah. And our answer, our answer was just okay, right? You play all the enchanters you want, and we're just going to play two lanes from from one from three minutes in, and we're just going to dive your body. And then good luck with all your, your, your all of your enchanters. But coming up with that solution was only a solution because because of how. <laughs> how you know how weird the internal metagame i think was was in those scripts mm. um, because obviously so so it's just it's just yeah it, it, it you know sometimes the, the information is staring you in your face and sometimes once people start playing those things against you then only do you start to to see the response of it but it, it takes one team being a bit more creative and a bit more inventive to to expand everyone's horizons no uh, for sure I, I think I think a good example of that is also I remember 2018. Um, I believe it was 2018. We were boot camping in, in in China. We came back and all of a sudden Reckless is playing Jana Karma, and then one team is funneling, and then there was just <laughs> this. For, for me, this was some of the, the the most exciting times because it's really it it became so easy to to convince the players to try something very new and uh, to 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 expose them to something that is different just in the context of how strange the game was it's like we had G2 that was only playing this funnel <laughs> meta with Italia Alistar with the brand bot full AP team but it somehow worked and then you had uh, the 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 bot laners that uh, uh, refuse to play AD carries and they're just playing all the Swains and the Vladimirs and the Rise and all of a sudden like the the, the game was it was League of Legends 2.0 and uh, for me the, those times are so fun because it it allows you to really show depth in in a new way. Um, yeah, I remember you guys were murdering us because you go and take like Ziggs uh, <laughs> or like Luck GP or something like this, and then uh, our AD carry couldn't play the game and. I remember you, there were all kinds of variations. Uh, that was 2018 summer. I remember it being because 2018 spring was pretty standard, but 2018 summer was absolutely crazy. Like it was, yeah, it was timer dingers, it was funnels, <laughs> it was, yeah, I mean, oh man. It was good times. Yeah. It was good times. <laughs> Speaking of good times, uh, <laughs> you you moved from INTZ into, into Splice initially, right? I remember this correctly. Yeah. But, but the first yeah, initial yeah. Uh, splice roster, when I think of that roster, it doesn't it doesn't strike me as a Peter Dunn roster. <laughs> yeah, what, I mean, what was your input? What was what was your move into the LEC the first time? What, what was was what was your role? Like splice uh, came to you, they say we need this man on the team. Uh, what uh, was that definition? So I mean, you know, we have lots of things like non-disclosure agreements and things like this on, on various teams, but Splice didn't make me sign a... Splice have never made me sign a non-disparagement oh. clause or, or non-disclosure agreement or things like this. So, okay. so you know, <laughs> I, I'm, free to, I'm free to flame Splice all I want. But uh, it's, it's worth saying that, you know, even though I've been free to flame Splice as much as I want, I've never done it because, you know, Marty, at, at heart, I think Marty was a good person. Mm. Um, and But I think that maybe he... There were, there were things that... There were people within Splice that maybe took advantage of that to 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 do things in their own way. Because basically, when I joined Splice, uh, Splice told me the roster, the the manager, the GM of Splice came to me and said, "The roster that you will have is Mickey Kobe, Trashy, Senkooks, and Wanda, right? And that that mm. that is your that is going to be your your roster." And 
And then I was like, oh, that, that sounds like a pretty good roster. You know, it's a yeah. roster that was a world. It's a roster that, that obviously you work with. And, and it was like, okay, uh, can I speak to some of these players? I'm really curious about, you know, why they decided to keep playing together and things like this. And then it's like, no, 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 you're, you're on another team. You know, you have to sign this contract first. <laughs> uh, before, before, oh, before, before you become a total player, so I was like, oh, okay, fine. It, it seems like it seems like this is the way. Uh, and I spoke, spoke to Marty, and I was like, you know, your GM's come and told me this. You know, is there is there a problem with this? And and Marty was like, oh no, no, no. You know, the players are, are all great, are all great guys. There's no way that this would would go in any, any other way. And I joined Spice, and then I spoke to the players, and they were like, we're never playing together ever again. <laughs> there were two players on that team, who I'm not going to repeat, who were basically like, we, have, we haven't talked to each other since the end of the year, and we are never talking to each other. <laughs> I was like, holy moly, what have I let them up in for? <laughs> and obviously, yeah, and obviously, like, uh, I mean, I think, I think Wonder was, was, going to, was always going to go to G2 and things like this. And, but, but like, it was, it was, uh, I mean, that, that, that was really, really scrambling. And I think there was one point in the off season where it was like, okay, let's just go full rookie and build around this one person. And obviously at that time, uh, I'd been in Brazil for two years and the rookie thing once in Brazil, but you know, I can understand why a GM or like a team owner or something like this might turn around and say, no, we're not going rookies now. Right. Like, <laughs> you know, this is Europe, come in and learn Europe better. Yeah. And so it was a case of, yeah, well, we're not great rookies. Like, build build what you can. Um, and, uh, you know, we had some nice starting pieces. Uh, you know, probably because they wanted to play together. And it, this was before everything went crazy in 2018 spring. Was, it was just after Arden Sensor, right? It was literally the yes, world. Yes. That was, was Arden Sensor. I remember it because it... It really fucked us in Brazil. Um, the, they, the patch they introduced it just before playoffs, and we were like, "Yeah." Um, uh, but basically, the the um, so so I was like, "Okay, I have Kasing, who's a really really good um, Arn Sensor player. Yes, I have yes. Kobe, who's a really good team fighting AD carry. Let's uh, let's see what we can build around this." Uh, and uh, yeah, so so the team was built with that in mind. Mm. Uh, and once once you know that you have those guys, then obviously like Zerxi and Niski become obvious. And then uh, our, our top laner, uh, I think we lucked out a bit with Odo uh, that year because I think Odo was the rumors were that Odo was going to North America. Obviously, now that was just the, some internet account had just made that up, mm. uh, but it meant that he was available. So so we we got him. We were looking at a, a wide range of options in that offseason. Like uh, every top laner you can possibly imagine was was being looked at. Even like. You know, people like uh, yeah, I, I I don't know who 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 I can really talk talk about, but a wide a wide range of rosters were, were offered, and it was it was more a case. Of, okay, this is the situation I'm in now. I've committed to the situation. Let's go and see if we can make the best of it. Uh, and yeah, and then then since then, it's always been it's always been about tweaking, right? I, I think yes, yes. I think that the one thing is always you have specialists. I, I think that it's not just about rookies. It's about you have specialists in your team and how do you build around, like you have non-moving points and how do you build around those non-moving points? Uh, yeah. And I think for that Spice roster, it was the non-moving points were Zerxe and Kobe. Mm -hmm. So, um, and put the best team around those guys, knowing that those are the two points. But at the time, I didn't know Zerxe that well. Like I didn't know him as a human being that well. I just knew him. He was the guy who was on Dark Passage with Caps, and who actually I thought was better than Caps. He was developed a lot uh, back in the day. But mm. when they were both sixteen, they were on Dark Passage, and I was here in Europe uh, on Ints Boot Camping in Europe. Mm. And uh, I remember their mid their mid jungle were were really really their mid laner was a complete psychopath. Obviously, Caps later, uh, <laughs> but uh, but their jungler was was incredibly smart, and I didn't actually realize. He, that was Xerxes at the time, and I didn't realize he was 16. Uh, uh, and when I found that out later, and, I, and then I realized that was Xerxes, I was like, there, 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 there's, there's definitely something very interesting. So, 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 yeah, so that's kind of how that team was built. Uh, uh, it didn't adapt very well to the change in meta because it was a very specialized team that was designed to win the game in one specific way. And when everything went crazy, we had to adapt, and I think we were slow to adapt. And... You know, we had a very, very poor regular season in summer, but by playoffs we kind of found our way. But I think it was a little bit too late. Um, 
but yeah, maybe maybe if G two weren't there, in, well, I think G two always going to be there in the lower bracket. But you know, may, maybe if I don't pound the thing to Kiana twice, uh, we can win that series because we were two one. We were I two one down. To we were bring up uh, old wounds, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, just... I mentioned this to Yank. <laughs> Sorry, the last thing on that. I mentioned this to Yankos because you know we thought we could play in Taiwaninger. In game four, we just got murdered by it. But in game five, we had like a very specific counter, and our counter was working, and we were winning the game. And then Yankos like did some some really crazy pathing to like swing the entire game. And when Yankos joined Heretics, I mentioned it to him, and he was like, "Yeah, I don't remember that at all." <laughs> and then he makes a joke, you know, "Oh, that was just, uh, you know, for you, that was like you guys going getting knocked out of the world. But for me, that was just like a Sunday." <laughs> Which I appreciate. I appreciated that. Uh, no, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's 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 Yankos for you. The man, is, the man is a gangster. I wanted to ask you: Do you think G2 made a mistake? Well, then go Yankos. Of course, uh, you yeah. have to kind of say it. <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, look, this is the best possible team for Yike. So, so we we scouted Yike. Uh, I mean, Yike's on GT now. Like, there's no way that. Uh, but basically, what I would say about Yike is that Yike played. Yike got a lot better this year because he went from playing with mid laners who basically didn't know how to win the game to playing with Ike. Uh And you talk to anyone about that team. And they will always say how important Ike was. And, you know, Ike is a bit of a meme because he didn't have so, so much of a successful time in North America. But everyone in the French scene, like, knows how good this guy is. And, you know, maybe maybe it's gonna, he's going to struggle to get LEC offers. But, like, this is a guy who, who knows how to win games. He knows how to micromanage his teammates. And, uh, you know, Yike was looked very, very good as a result of that. Now, is Yike bad? No, Yike's not bad. And on G2, he's going to have caps who... It's not as good as I can somebody who can um, who can uh, who can teach him uh, the the fundamentals of playing the game. So so that's mm -hmm. a good fit for him. But obviously you don't you don't drop Yankos um, with. I mean, you you have to make very very. Um, I, I have lots of insight on this. So I, I have to be careful. <laughs> uh, I mean, all, all I would say on this is like it's not a decision to take lightly, right? Yes. Uh, uh, obviously, it works out to Heretic's benefit, um, but uh, I think that I think that Nike is going to have to grow a lot. And let's be clear: on that team, there are a lot of very popular players on on G two, and whenever they lose any game, so it, maybe they just win all the games, win all the championships, and everything is free, and Nike turns into like the best player you can possibly imagine. But um, Every single time they lose, we all know who's going to get planes, right? Mm. So, um, yeah, so that's all I would say about that. Um, so I, I, I hope they, they, they look out for them. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of veterans on that team, and I hope that those veterans, you know, shield, shield for their rookie, right? That's all okay. I would say. Okay. I also wanted to ask you about uh, your, your dear top laner. I'm a big fan of, of, of AV. I, I like him a lot. <laughs> I, I like his, his his character and I've you know I know that this guy is, is an OG that's been around since since forever. Uh yeah. is has it been any different for you to 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 integrate a a, a Japanese player over uh, some of the the other regions because this is new right uh, importing a Japanese player this is the first one what, what has been different in 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 your experience or is Evi just that experience that uh, is just a natural born uh, you know adapter and leader so what would I say about uh, Evie? Um, Evie is, whenever you import somebody who is not fluent in the local language of the region that you are importing into, you are taking a massive risk, right? Let's, let's, not, let's not beat around the bush here. You are taking a massive risk. Mm. That means it's very important that you do the due diligence, not just on, um, you don't just do the due diligence on their play skill. You do the due diligence on their, um, how they, what they're like as a human being, mm. right? How how are they going to do that? This is something exactly the character, and also um, you, you have to bear in mind that things like they're also going to be a long way away from family. They're going to be away from family. They're going to be away from friends. They're going to be in like a new environment, and you know sometimes people that don't have that much life experience, it's very very hard somebody who is not like a perfect culture fit to come in and hit the ground running, right? Um, and I think that sometimes you see examples of this where people have managed to hit the ground running, like Huni, good example, Berserker, good example. 
Um, but when you're bringing in somebody from from a different environment, it's it, you have to be very important on and take due diligence about that. So, so I would say that Evis I respected for a long time, um, but uh, is somebody that he's being picked not just because of his play skill, but because of how he's going to adapt. Um, he how he's going to adapt to the new environment. Uh, and all I would say is that, like his, he comes from a family. Everyone in his family, as far as I can tell, is fluent in English. Um, mm. He's not, uh, but he basically <laughs> put himself in isolated English training right before the okay. boot camp. It was basically a month where he didn't speak much Japanese off screen, as far as I can tell. And he came in with a decent level of English. And I expect similar things from this season. And him and Yankos, they 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 joke, they like to joke together. And you know, finds he finds some things about English very. Um, interesting um, uh, especially slang and you know uh, tons of phrases yeah. but 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 in game in game there's there's no issue and out of game obviously um he he has to keep going but he but he, he's made good steps so far um but in terms of his play style he is a very 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 either you know people who watch national um you know people like you people like I don't want to call out other other names uh, of people who who may have vouched for this guy as well, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you know people who've scrimmed DFM international tournaments all know how good this guy is. Yeah, yeah. He's always fantastic in scrims. He's always good on stage. Uh, and you know, in Japan, he has kind of sometimes he kind of has happy games. But let's be honest, um, DFM is so far ahead of everyone else in Japan. <laughs> sometimes you know it must be hard to keep your hundred percent motivation uh, focused every game, right? Uh, but Whenever it's mattered, uh, things have been, he's been good. And you can see how big of a deal he was in Japan, because as soon as he leaves, Sengoku Gaming, who are like the probably the second best team in Japan after DFM, go hard. They go like, oh, yes, Evie's gone. He's not on DFM anymore. We can win now. You know, they go hard on the, they bring in Reaper, you know, they, they, they bring in like, um, not top, top Koreans, but, you know, pretty decent Koreans as well. And they're like, yes, here's our chance. And I think I, I wonder if that if that investment happens if Evie is still on the event. And I think that's that's the best uh, the best vouching for him that I could possibly think of. <laughs> the man has a special place in my heart because he he won against you guys. Uh, yeah, <laughs> his, his nar was a, was a hot stopper with with the Yumi on him. Yeah, <laughs> he was uh, he was going crazy in that game. And um, I remember, like, I think I think. Trying to remember back, I remember him, maybe I'm crazy, but I remember him playing at an All-Stars. And I remember at this All-Stars, he was playing out of his mind. And I was so impressed because Yuzuki was at the same All-Stars and I was just mind blown by how good this guy is. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that he's in Europe. I'm very excited to, to, to see him play. Uh, it's, 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 it's interesting because now on the other end, uh, not on the other end, but in the mid lane, you have Ruby, who's also a player that I remember back in 2018, he was the sub for Afrika. And this was yeah. just around the corner when uh, Irelia was reworked. He played it and I've never seen someone do so crazy things. And then next day we ban Irelia and then mechanically this guy was just mind blowing and I was just in shock. This is a player that is sitting uh, on the bench, and I was just thinking, just sub this guy in, Mowgli, just uh, play with him, you know. Uh, Ruby, and now he's been playing in in Europe for a full year. Is it the full year that he has been playing in Europe? He's been a full year. Um, uh, what I said about Ruby is, I think he's 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 still ranked pretty highly in Korea now, but he's not. He he he. Back in that time was when he got imported into LPL, I think, mm-hmm. and. Um, he was imported into LPL basically because he was consistently top ten in career for like yes, the entire. Yes. <laughs> um, he 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 then after oh man the LPL situation is is uh, I'm not going to that but then he was in PCS and then PCS went remote and he was playing the Thai team in PCS on a hundred ping against the Taiwan teams playing on like five ping. Uh, the way that they handled ping in PCS playoffs is fa- fascinating. You know, if you were ranked higher in regular season, you got ping selection you got to pick which game which server the game was played in games one three and five <laughs> and then the other team got choice of two and four right so they lost three two because the other team got to play on five ping for three games uh and they only got to play on five on five ping for for two games uh, <laughs> and versus like it was 100 plus ping uh in a competitive i sympathize with the pcs uh mm. but uh he had a bit of a rough time for that, um, mm. and um, 
Yeah, and then he's been in Europe. He's been in Europe. Uh, the the one thing that I say about Ruby, same thing as I said about Evie, the you know, the marks of your character are important. And obviously, Ruby has strong mechanics, but the the main thing about Ruby is he came to Unicorns of Love and he couldn't speak English or mm. basically very very little English. And they asked him if uh, he wanted a translator or he wanted a Korean teammate or something like this. You know, something to to work with. And he basically said no. You know, I'm here. You know. He didn't say anything about LCK, but, you know, his age, we all know that after a certain age, you can't go to LCK uh, anymore. Um, and uh, LPL, um, uh, yeah, um, but uh, let's skip that. Um, but uh, but LEC, you know, like, the, he wants to go to Worlds, right? Uh, and he, one of the things that I would say is he loves hearing every story, because obviously every's been to every single international event, and so Dan Cross. Um, and and basically he, he he wants that for himself, and he realized that if he was in the ERLs, if he wanted to play in the LEC, he needed to be fluent in English, and he wanted to force himself out of his comfort zone. And I'm going to be honest, uh, Ruby's English is better than like Impact's English. It's better than like oh, wow. many European players. Like I, I've I've played with some Polish players and um, uh, some other players where English is not like the first language, and he's better at English than than many of many of those guys like even some french players uh and uh that's because he put it he put, pushed himself through it for the entire year mm. and for me that, that goes character. Uh, um we'll see how he does uh, on the mechanical side um uh, mm-hmm. obviously there's a big he looked good in erls but it's easier to look good against erl mid laners than it is to look good against caps even in last time right like yes. i mean like let's be clear in europe if you want to go to world you have to beat caps humanoid or last unless you get some more um seats no oh, sure. can you still hear me I can still hear uh you. yeah yeah okay um so so i don't know if yeah so so basically yeah so hopefully eu gets a fourth seed but basically yeah no, again nobody goes to worlds without beating one of those guys and he's been able to demonstrate that he can and I, I have full faith in him but you know he has to he has to show it on stage right and i and he's got the team around him to be able to to succeed so. that's exciting I, I wanted to ask you as well. Um, I think when it comes to the ideas of uh, uh, rookies, I feel like often it's misunderstood uh, by, by GMs. I think uh, sometimes uh, GMs are pushing in the direction of, of rookies because they uh, romanticize the idea of, wow, this player is going to come in and then become the best player in his position right away, um, which is insanely rare. And... Yeah. I think I think that the mistakes that occur often is either in in terms of pushing out the wrong players that have reached a veteranship that should be respected or not giving players the right players around them and not the right amount of time because they haven't made a crazy jump uh, into in, into stardom instantly uh, as they expected in in their mind in the context of 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 Mercer uh, I, I wanted to ask you this question, maybe outside the context of Mercer. Um, how do you, as a uh, uh, as as yourself, uh, define when a player uh, requires more time, or where do you find those? Um, where, where do you draw the line of of a player that has gotten his uh, his shot, or a player that uh, you know should be developed more into a strong, strong veteran that is one of those names that is, uh, of course. Uh, Echoed in the halls of of legacy in in European League of Legends, as an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you must just quickly quickly check. Uh, I noticed that your chat on Twitch is is talking about uh, the uh, uh, the internet connection. So maybe okay. it's better if I turn off my yeah yeah. Maybe um, go for it. Try it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Sorry, guys. I'm in a I'm in a hotel now, so it's uh, not the best. Um, but hopefully, without taking up some bandwidth. Um, uh but uh what i would say on this is that um i i think veterancy is underrated uh in a, to, to an extent um but i think that what you have what people have to realize is that the veterans that you have in your team they have more expectations on them and it's not just on, about their behavior in game uh, and i think sometimes uh you know if you're a rookie you come in because you're not expected to lead you're not expected to be the 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 person who is going to is, is going to carry the team outside of the game. You are going. To, you, you just have to play the best that you can possibly play. Mm. And sometimes 
you know, people come in and then they are a star for the team and they, they're they still a really good player, right, in the league. And then they, they, they question, okay, I'm like one of the best players in the league, uh, but, but maybe I'm not being rated or valued as highly. Why is that? And it, it, I, I just need to be better right, at my role. But the problem is that that's, that that's a little bit of a misnomer in my opinion, right? Because let's say you come into a team and there's a team that has a mix of rookies or veterans. The veterans get to set the culture and get to set the rules for how the the team interacts with each other. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is, you know, a coach can have some influence, right? But at the end of the day, if you have a team full of veterans that just flame the rookies all the time and, you know, want to make their life really, really hell, they can do it. And you only get to be there with the team in scrims, right? You don't, you, you're not there all of the time as a coach. And this matters more. The, the better a player you are and the more of a star player you are, it's not just enough to be a star player. You have to be like a leader and you have to be a, uh, a veteran for the team. Right? So, so for me, I think that, that when you're working with veterans, what matters is the content of their character first. And play skill, play skill matters. I'm not saying that play skill doesn't matter. You shouldn't just hire like a player who's six out of 10 and put a player who's nine out of 10 on the bench because the six out of 10 is a nice guy and the nine out of 10 is a bit toxic. But you have to realize that if you have no, if you have like a nine out of 10 star player who's very, very toxic and that guy's a rookie, that's perfectly fine, right? The veterans on the team are just going to go shut the fuck up, right? Like if, if they, if, if, if that guy tries to be too mouthy uh, or, or, or they, you know, the, it, it, it's hand, it's ha- more handleable because the veteran on your team is going to then go and, you know, maybe, maybe let's say you have an AD carry and the AD carry is being really mean to the sport, not, not mentioning anyone uh, uh, specifically, but just, but let's say you have a jungler who's a veteran on your team. The jungler can put his arm around that guy's shoulder and say, look, yes, today was a rough day in scrims, but let's talk about how things can be better tomorrow. Let's go and put in some additional time. Let's go watch some VODs together, right? No, for um, sure. But if that, if that guy, if that AD carry is the veteran, on your team and the star player on your team and he starts flaming that support who's going to look after that support right like let's say you have a uh, <laughs> let's say okay double lift right let's say you have double lift and double lift is being really really hard harsh to busio on a team that doesn't have bjergsen who is going to stand up to double lift and say cut it out right mm. i mean on a team like on 100 teams it shouldn't happen because they have bjergsen who, who who can probably do do a little bit of that but but that's i think a little bit uh, a little bit of kind of, of my philosophy. And I think also with rookies, so so that's on the veteran side. Like you have to, to me as a veteran, you you're, there's expectations on you to provide more, right? And uh, it's outside of the game as well. Um, and obviously you get more with that. You get more responsibilities, you get hopefully larger paycheck, you know, you, you get like other things as well that justify what you're contributing, right? But in terms of how the team balanced, unless you have a team uh you know mixing veterans and rookies uh is is often quite difficult in teams where where you don't have the right veterans around them and sometimes it's better rather than bringing up a hype rookie to have another veteran uh to 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 handle that kind of uh frustrations or the, the that kind of stress and things like this in terms of rookies yeah obviously you have to put a rookie in an environment where they can succeed uh and yeah that's that's always been uh in my philosophy right if you have you either have a team full of rookies like that you've worked with before obviously but back in the splice days when all of those guys were rookies and then mm-hmm. they they have to figure things out themselves or you have a team that has veterans that will play to those rookie strengths you know 